now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the Week 10 edition. I am Alex Shane, here with Rich Hill. Rich Hill, I got a question for you, man. Were you a good student in high school, or were you kind of a slacker? I was a pretty good student. I don't know. Why? What are you asking? Well, I was not a very good student in high school, and there were many times in my student career where I had to do an oral presentation or a book report, and I didn't do any of the reading. And I had to go up there and completely BS my way through this report based on either the cliff notes or some last minute studying I did the second before. And I'm glad I did that in retrospect because I have not watched the Patriots Titans game. I'm here doing a podcast with you breaking down the Patriots Titans game. So I'm going to be calling upon my old BS ability to get myself through this. Hope you don't mind. Uh, wait, let me ask you this then. When was the last time that you missed a Patriots game? The last Patriots game I missed was December 26th, 1999, the day after Christmas. It was a – the last game that was actually on. Being from Connecticut, they were blacked out a lot, but every time it was actually on, I caught them. But 12-26-99, it was a Patriots-Bills game. The Patriots lost 13-10, to and I was doing family stuff for the holidays, missed the game. Since 2000, every single game except for this past weeks. But you know what, though? Streaks have to end, and it seems like it was a pretty good game to miss because it looks like the Patriots, going by the box score here, completely forgot to show up. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a bit of a relief, you know? Uh, I think everyone in Patriots fandom would feel pretty, uh, pretty comfortable saying, Alec, this is entirely your fault. This is all your fault. <laughs> yep. Ever since you started watching it, Bill Belichick came in, Tom Brady came in, we went through years of, you know, Troy Brown and Kevin Falk to Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and you finally broke the streak. So it's your fault that they didn't show up, because... Who else are they playing for if not for you, Alec? So No, I, it's true. You know, we, I, I accept your apology on behalf of the entire Patriots nation. Thank you. But there, there is plenty to talk about, even if we don't feel too happy to talk about this Patriots-Titans <laughs> game, because that was just a, an absolute abomination of a performance by everyone on the Patriots team, from coaching staff, offense, defense, special teams. It was very, very ugly. But before we talk about that, Alec, let, let's talk a bit about what took place around the league because there were some games of pretty serious importance for the Patriots, uh, starting with that Thursday night football game where the Steelers beat the Carolina Panthers, because as of right now, the Steelers are the number two seed, Patriots fell down to number three, and that makes that Week 15 matchup even more important. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see much of the Steelers game. Uh, it was I saw the first Panthers drive. They drove right down the field. I'm like, all right, this looks good. And all of a sudden, I turned my TV back on. It was 52 to 21. And I was like, man, the Steelers are white hot right now. The Le'Veon Bell holdout did not have the desired effect. The Patriots have lost control of the two seed. Luckily, the Patriots own the Steelers. But it seems that every single year, the Patriots have to travel to Pittsburgh with some kind of playoff seating on the line. Looks like this will not be any exception. And based on the way the Steelers played and based on the way the Patriots played, and especially if they have to go to Miami the week before, going to be a very big game, and that will more or less be the season. Yeah, and Patriots play three of the next four on the road, so that'll be pretty difficult for the Patriots. But as you said, Steelers are in the catbird seat. They really benefit from this, the Cincinnati Bengals getting absolutely wiped out by the New Orleans Saints. So the Steelers are pretty comfortably leading the AFC North. They should be able to to win that division pretty easily. Uh, the, the Chiefs managed to beat the Arizona Cardinals. They're staying on top of their division. I know that the Chargers beat the Raiders as well, 20-6. to But Chiefs have just been 
unstoppable this year other than in Gillette. But with this Patriots loss to the Tennessee Titans, the odds of the Patriots getting home field advantage in the AFC is far smaller than it was before. Uh, Patriots really should have won this game if they wanted to have a real chance of getting home field advantage. But instead, as we were talking about, they're going to have to battle out with the Pittsburgh Steelers for the, the number two seed most likely and for the Patriots' right to extend their home field, uh, I guess their first round bye streak, which they've had dating back to 2010. Yeah. On the plus side, it looks like the AFC East got a kind of a beating overall this week. The Dolphins got crushed by the Packers 31 to 12 and the Bills hung 41 on the Jets. How did that happen, Rich? Oh, are, are the Bills good? Well, actually, so no. what, what we found out is that all they really needed was a little bit of Matt Barkley. Right, Matt, Matt Barkley came in there, started his first game for them after they've had weeks of Nate Peterman and Derek Anderson and Josh Allen. Barkley is the best quarterback that they've had all year. Apparently, that revitalized LaShawn McCoy coming out of the backfield. They had their first 100-yard receiver of the day. And fortunately, Patriots fans, the Patriots get to play the Jets twice over the final six weeks of the year. So hopefully that's a sign of, you know what, if the Bills can do it to the Jets, the Patriots should be able to do it even more. Know that we thought that they would be able to beat the Tennessee Titans, but uh, it should be pretty comfortable victories for New England at least two of their final weeks. It should be, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say a very fond farewell to Nathan Peterman, who is no longer on the Buffalo Bills. He will not be signed by any team. I have a funny feeling. We have seen the last of him in the NFL. It's better to burn out than fade away, as the great uh, Neil Young says. And <laughs> good for you, Nathan Peterman. You were an entertaining quarterback, to say the least. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, got a lot of vitriol headed his way. He did not play well, but, you know, this is the very big case of the Nick and Peterman principle coming into play here. Uh, last last game of note, really, for the Patriots was that the Miami Dolphins lost to the Green Bay Packers 31-12. to They fell to 5-5. Five and five. Normally, that wouldn't be too big of a surprise or notable in any real way, other than the fact that the Dolphins are the number two seed in the AFC East. But what I want to highlight here, actually, is something that I wrote about on the site, and that's the fact that the New England Patriots are probably going to be able to clinch the AFC East in Week 14. Uh, that, that's like, you know, a little bit earlier than they normally do, but with the Dolphins at 5-5 five and five as the number two team in the division, both the Bills and the Jets are sitting there at 3-7. and seven. Patriots are at 7-3. If the Patriots win, you know, two more games on their own, both the Bills and the Jets are eliminated from contention. And if you look at three weeks from now, Patriots, or I guess three games from now, that'll be four weeks from now, Patriots are playing the Dolphins. And so if the Patriots win their next three games, one's on the road against the Jets, one's at home against the Vikings, and then that third game on the road against the Dolphins, Patriots have clinched the AFC East. And that's like a pretty straightforward thing. And they, they could also get some help too, where if the, the Miami Dolphins, when they come out of their bye, they are on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts have been playing pretty well as of late. If the Colts take care of business and beat the Dolphins, then the Patriots are just, you know, they can afford to drop one to either the, the Vikings or the Jets. Hopefully they don't. But the, the Patriots have a few paths to win the division by or through week 14. And I think it's going to happen. 
yeah, I mean, they're going to win the AFC East. That was never in doubt at any point. But I don't think they can afford to lose another game for the rest of the season because, as we've seen in the past, it's very difficult for the Patriots to win and go to the Super Bowl, A, without getting that first round by, and B, doing so on the road. Even before this Titans game, the debacle that was Tennessee, I said it would be very difficult for the Patriots to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs the way they are playing right now. The Chiefs-Rams game might be a Super Bowl preview. It's very easy to think that. I don't think the Patriots can afford to lose another game going forward if they want to, have to make a serious rule run this year. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And if the Patriots get the number two seed, if they can't get the one seed, first round buys are huge, but also it could set up some pretty favorable matchups down the road because whoever the number six seed probably isn't going to be too much of a threat in the big picture, whether it's, I don't know, Ravens, Bengals, whoever it is. They're not going to be too great of a thing, but it's the five seed with the Chargers that are going to be a threat. You got the four seed that are either going to be the, or likely going to be the Texans. And if, if in this scenario, Patriots take care of business, they're the two seed. That means that the Steelers are either going to be three or four. What this means is that Chargers are probably going to play either the Steelers or the, the Texans in the opening round. That'll be a big one. Whoever gets the third seed probably will be able to take care of business against that sixth seed. And so the Patriots will play against the third seed while at home. And that means that whether it's the Texans or the Steelers, they should be favored, but any of those three teams should hopefully be able to give the Chiefs a run for their money. And I, I'd actually, I know that this is crazy to say, but I'd feel more confident in those three teams knocking off the Chiefs on the road than I would about the Patriots because for whatever reason, Arrowhead is just a place of nightmares for New England. It is. And the, the good news is, is Andy Reid and Andy Reid in the playoffs somehow is a very different coach. However, we're talking playoffs right now. We're talking postseason coming off. One of the more abysmal Patriots performances of the past maybe five years. Again, didn't see the game. Just going off what I've heard, what I've read from the stats and the reports, the analysis. It sounds like absolutely nothing went right for New England against the Titans this past Sunday. Tom Brady looked bad. He was inaccurate. He was making bad decisions. He was hearing footsteps. He was zeroing in on Edelman too much. They couldn't get anything going with the run game. Stephon Gilmore got worked up and down the field. Rich, I didn't see the game, so tell me what happened. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, there's something important to note with these Patriots games, or it's, you know, it's just one game in a long season. It's never as bad as it looks. It's never as good as it looks. This was really bad. <laughs> this was really, really bad. You look at every single facet of the game, Patriots couldn't run the ball, they couldn't pass the ball, they couldn't defend the run, they couldn't defend the pass. They were awful on special teams, particularly in coverage as they're a bottom five unit in the entire league. Coaches got completely outcoached by Mike Vrabel and his staff. No one did well. Every single person deserves blame. And while you know you never want to go into the bye week on a loss, Bill Belichick probably has a lot to, to really fight through. And I don't know how much of this is replicable. You know, what? whatever the Titans did against the Patriots, I don't know if other teams are going to be able to do it because, A, it was a lot of luck. It was absolutely a lot of luck. Uh, they had a great defensive front. They had a lot of the insight coming from Mike Rabel, knowing exactly how to disrupt this Patriots offense that some other teams have had. We saw Matt Patricia do that in Week 3. We've seen Tom Coughlin do that, whether it was with the Jaguars. I know that he's not like the head coach, but he has his influence, or the Giants. These teams know how to do it with their defensive front four. They were able to press Tom Brady in the pocket, get some interior pressure. The Chiefs might be able to do that. Fully staffed, the Chiefs might be able to do that. The Chargers absolutely could do that. You know, Texans could do that too. So maybe I'm going to retract what I said there. A lot of teams could definitely do what they did on defense. I would say more so I don't know how many teams on offense would be able to do what they did to the Patriots because Stephon Gilmore is never going to have a game like that again. 
there, there were some reports out of the locker room that Gilmore's been dealing with a cold all week. He didn't want to, you know, he's not going to blame it on it. No one should. He got clearly beaten by Corey Davis play after play after play. But Gilmore allowed more yards to Corey Davis in the first half than he had allowed in the previous three games combined. So wow. it's, it's a pretty big anomaly. And if you, I mean, you can't like just say remove that entire production, but Corey Davis was over half of the entire passing attack from the Titans. If that doesn't happen again, then the Patriots aren't going to allow the Titans to walk up and down the field, force them to be one-dimensional. And I mean, that's just the, what happened. It was a series of just very, very unfortunate events. I'm happy to pick through any specific group of your, your interest, but it was just a, just a very bad game. Tom Brady was flustered very early on. And whenever that happens, he either forces passes down the field into triple coverage, which for, thankfully he did not, but he did his other thing, which was just focusing on his binkies. He just looked at Edelman, Gordon, and James White, which is interesting that Josh Gordon's in that category. But Brady just focused on those three the entire evening, didn't look Chris Hogan's way, even though he was literally open without a single defender lining up from him uh, at certain points in the game. And so Brady just wasn't in this game mentally, and he really needs to check what he's going through for the rest of the year. All right, let's talk about Tom Brady since you brought it up. And I want to talk about special teams in a minute too, Rich, because I'm very concerned about the special teams. But Tom Brady, based on not just Sunday's game, but I think it is safe to say that Tom Brady is not as good as he was last year. I think we've talked about it already. I don't think he's falling off a cliff. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's mediocre. I think he's still the top five, maybe top three quarterback. But I think he's lost a step this year. I think he's a little less accurate. He's a little less strength on his on his passes. Uh, maybe he's making some throws he wouldn't have made as he tries to protect his body. Not mad at him, not blaming him. The man's 41. He's had the most prolific career in the history of the NFL. But I think it's it's not a ridiculous hot take to say Tom Brady is maybe starting to finally decline a little bit. Do you agree? And it is a problem. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And again, I don't think it's any big sort of motion or decline or any sweeping movement by Brady. I think, A, it's normal. There's going to be regression every time you win an MVP, right? It's He has, he was the best player in the league last year, so it's unheard of for players to be able to replicate that to a perfect amount. So, yeah, sure, there was going to be a little bit of decline. Look through the players he's been dealing with. Edelman suspended for four games. Gronk's been in and out of the lineup. Josh Gordon's been learning at the offense. Chris Hogan has been an absolute ghost. There's no rushing attack. Their left left tackle, Trent Brown, was in and out of the game. Marcus Cannon's been in and out of the game. Shaq Mason wasn't playing. So th- there were just so many things taking place for this Patriots offense. Hopefully all of it will be rectified by what, two weeks from now, once they get back from their bye week, hopefully everyone will be healthy. The team will be all together for that final stretch. I know that Dwayne Allen suffered an injury, but uh, the Patriots will have to find a way to compensate for his blocking ability. Tom Brady, sure. He hasn't been as accurate. I think he's been making worse decisions, as you said. It's not a giant decline. I think what also is kind of interesting is the fact that every other quarterback in the league has really elevated their play and so that really shines the spotlight on the fact that Brady's having a pretty average year and by average I mean he's still in the 90s for a passer rating he's having a fine year if you look at it he's no he's not what he was doing for the past three four years it's still fine it's just that you look at the rest of the league and everyone is just lighting it up you watch Drew Brees what he's been doing with the the Saints and so, of course, when Tom Brady doesn't look like his MVP self and he looks, you know, fringe top 10, 
people are going to notice and people are going to pounce at the opportunity to say that he declined, even though he's been dealing with drops, dealing with, you know, passes going off of Julian Edelman's helmet. It's just, it's just not a, it's not a perfect situation for Brady. He's making the most of it and they still have seven wins through 10 games. They do. And it's still, I also think there's this notion, this kind of fantasy among a lot of Patriots fans, which I'll include myself in this, that he's just going to play lights out, elite, best player in the game for another five years, win three more rings, finish with another MVP in the Super Bowl and his like ninth Lombardi trophy and retire into the sunset at the absolute top of his game. That's very likely not going to happen. Even in a, a some iteration of it, he might get another win or two. He might get another Super Bowl or two. He might not. I'm okay with all of it. I just think, based on his competitiveness, the kind of player he is, I don't think he'll play when like I don't think he'll pull a Peyton Manning and just be unable to throw the ball and just will know when to hang him up in that respect. But I think all great competitors, their heart and their mind outlast their body, and he's probably going to have a couple of pretty down years before he finally hangs him up. And again, that's totally fine. I think he's earned the right to do that. I hope he does it all with New England. If he doesn't, that's fine too. I'm okay with it. I, again, I think we're basically at the top of the bell curve. We've been at the top of the bell curve for a very long time, and now we're at the very last point of it where it starts to slowly go downhill. And even Brady at like 60% is still a quarterback. I'll take everything a single time, and it's going to be okay. And, of course, now that we've had this conversation, Miss, he's going to throw for like 600 yards and TDs against the Jets next week because he's probably hearing the noise. You can't ignore it. He's hearing the the what's the, what's the idiot guy's name, the, uh, the Rob Parkers of the world flapping about how he sucks. He uses his motivation, and so I'm not worried about him. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, he still has it. Gronkowski will return. The offensive line will be better. I mean, think of it this way, you know. Three of his five starting offensive linemen is starting running back. I mean, Rex Burkhead should be able to return in, uh, against the Vikings, so that'll be another boost. So many pieces are hurt. Edelman was just completely battered against the Titans. So everyone should be a little bit healthier after the bye week. That'll be a huge boon heading into the final stretch. And I also want to say, I, I think it's we can't understate the value that Jimmy Garoppolo had. And this was something that surfaced multiple times, multiple interviews, mul multiple people have pointed out the fact that Garoppolo lit a fire under Brady. And not saying that Brady needs a bigger chip on his shoulder than he already has, but yeah, a little bit. And I, I, I'm not saying that he's resting on his laurels, but... Garoppolo definitely challenged him. There was definitely that, you know what, Brady, you need to elevate your play every single day because they're looking for a reason to move on to Jimmy Garoppolo. And with Brian Hoyer back there, or Danny Etling instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, there's not that same sort of pressure. And Brady delivers under pressure. And so maybe what the Patriots really need to focus on doing next year, finding that young talent at quarterback, push Tom Brady over the horizon, uh, either, you know, for better or for worse, whether it's uh, the literal horizon and Brady retires or it pushes him back to the top. They need that. I, I, I don't think we can understate what Garoppolo meant to Brady and this Patriots team. No, it's true. You know, I think Brady, I think and it makes a lot of sense. Anytime you have somebody who's coming up and gunning for your job, you're going to want to play and perform better. I think that's just human nature and just what makes people do well, what keeps the, the wheels turning on society and the world in general. So, yeah, Brady's going to be fine. I'm not worried about him, not worried about the offense, not worried about them scoring points, not worried about the defense. I am, however, Rich, worried about special teams. 
especially the kick and punt coverage units. Uh, word on the street is the Titans uh, had a 58, 60-yard kick return to open the game and then march right down the field. Big returns has not been an anomaly this season. I feel like it's an area where every time a returner gets the ball, he's going to like the 40. They're blowing blocks. They're blowing tackles. They're missing punts. They're, 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 they're fumbling punts sometimes. Special teams is something Belichick has harped on forever. It's he's that, That's his baby, special teams. And I feel like they're, they're just not doing well. I think overall they're ranked 29th in the league uh, in total special teams. What's up with this, man? Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of concerns because this has been his calling card, as you said. Belichick loves the, the, the third facet of the game, thinks that it's very underappreciated. And it really, it's the hidden yards that win. They haven't been doing well. Uh, they, As you said, I think they're bottom five in both punt coverage and kickoff coverage, which is atrocious. They've ranked in the top six, I believe, according to Football Outsiders, dating back to like 2003. So this is a huge anomaly. This is not something that ever happens for the Patriots. Hopefully they can rectify it. But, I mean, you look at the roster, what has changed, right? Has anything changed? Matthew Slater's still there. Nate Ebner's still there. Joe Judge has been there for a while. Uh, and, you know, Brandon King is still there. Is it really Brandon Bolden? And <laughs> they miss Brandon huh. Bolden on special teams. There just hasn't been enough moving pieces for it to make a lot of sense. And so I wonder if there's just, you know, maybe we just talk to Matt Chatham <laughs> of the Athletics to get his insight, just because there's something that's happened with the Patriots special teams. They're just not closing the way that they should have. There's been some gaps in the production week in, week out. It's the reality of this Patriots team right now and hopefully it won't cost them when it matters most in the postseason but i mean when you're in the bottom five of any sort of ranking teams are going to take advantage of it when the games matter more and so hopefully the you know tyreek hill isn't going to return a kick a billion yards for 50 touchdowns when the patriots play the chiefs in the postseason because that very well could happen so new england has to figure out how they can fix it or you just put a band-aid on it for the final stretch of the year so it's not a continuous weak point for other teams to exploit so patriots heading into their bye week right now a much needed bye week coming at a good time Late in the season, guys are banged up, getting healthy, getting some rest. If you are the coaching staff for the Patriots, how are you prioritizing this week off? Oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot to look through. Uh, first off, health. They need to get everyone better. Duke Dawson should return. Uh, he has to be activated pretty shortly. Bronkowski should hopefully get back. You add in Shaq Mason. Trent Brown hopefully won't be sick anymore. Marcus Cannon should continue to get healthier. Every single player should be better, healthy, ready to roll down the final stretch. That's the absolute obvious first priority uh other than that i'm going to focus on the run defense that's something that was not good against the tennessee titans it was something of a concern a little bit early in the year where you know malcolm brown hadn't been doing a great job people were you know leaving their gaps open and exploitable they need to be shut down on first down Right. That, that was the big thing that the Titans had success with is that they had very favorable second and third down opportunities. And so therefore, it was much easier for them to convert. If I'm the Patriots, if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm looking at this run defense and saying, you know what? You can't allow more than three yards ever on a first down to a run. And so you got to sell. You got to make sure that you, you just improve in every facet, do better job holding your gaps, holding your lanes. And that's where I'm focusing because, you, I mean, the Titans' rushing attack is not the best rushing attack we'll see. You got James Conner, got Kareem Hunt, you got better rushing attacks coming down the line. Melvin Gordon of the the Chargers. Titans are pretty good. Those other teams are much better. Other teams are watching and saying, you know what? 
don't give Patrick Mahomes or Phillip Rivers a second and short because they're going for a touchdown every single time. Not only that, you definitely, like you said, you have some you have some mobile mobile quarterbacks here. Um, there's a lot of running that's going to be happening, and that's interesting. So you're okay with the secondary though, even though Stephon Gilmore got burned, then we're still you're still comfortable with how the secondary is performing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not overly worried about that. I mean, even then. Marcus Mariota only had 225 passing yards on the day. So Gilmore short. He had a bad game. I expect him to rebound. Jason McCourty was still excellent. There is a little bit of a question of how Patriots are covering tight ends, but that seems to be the issue every single week. That will definitely be an issue with Travis Kelsey in the postseason. Uh, but hopefully that's not going to be too big of an issue because if the tight ends get 30, 40 yards and a touchdown, you can take that. It's that you can't allow a running back to get 150 yards on the ground and a touchdown or two. That's where you really just lose control of the entire game. You can you can work around a, a quietly solid day from a tight end. Nice. All right, that's good. I feel better now. That's good. Last thing I'll ask you, Rich, is before we wrap this up and head into the bye week, if you want to give maybe us a, a sense of Chris Hogan, what's going on with him right now, there's some rumblings that people think that Chris Hogan should be benched in favor of Philip Dorsett, who's proven more reliable, has a much better catch ratio. Brady's targeting him when he's on the field. Do you agree with that? And why do you think Chris Hogan's fallen so far off this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm actually one of the people who really agrees with that. I think Chris Hogan has shown or had shown a lot in 2016 and 2017 to warrant a bigger role. And I had high expectations for him when Julian Edelman was suspended that Hogan's going to shine because in previous years, when Edelman was down, he was averaging close to like 100 yards a game or like he was really stepping up. He, he had an ability to do that. That's not the case anymore. He's not getting separation down the field. He's not getting separation underneath. He's not getting separation anywhere. I don't know if he's dealing with an injury. I don't know if he's sick. He's just not getting the job done, and he's out there primarily as that fifth option in the offense because you look at it, he's behind Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, he would be behind Rob Gronkowski, and he'd be behind James White. Those are your four targets that would get options ahead of Chris Hogan. But you put Philip Dorsett out there, he seems to be getting opportunities as that fifth guy. So why isn't Hogan? Hogan should have the most favorable matchups of anyone in the offense. He had been a previous number two receiver and had done well. So I have no idea why he's been so unproductive. There must be an injury. There must be something going on because you don't just lose two years of production or two years of rapport with Tom Brady overnight. So he has to be dealing with something. And until he gets better... The only reason he's playing over Philip Dorsett is either because A, Hogan has historically done it, or B, he's a better blocker, which I'll totally understand because I think he has like 25 pounds on Dorsett. So I get that part. But in between the 20s, I think Dorsett deserves a chance to be out there. He's doing a better job getting separation in short areas. He's doing it better over the top, even if he isn't getting those big throws. Dorsett has been getting it done as a receiver where Chris Hogan hasn't. And so they should be splitting their snaps a little bit more than they currently are. I agree, man. Like, I, I was so high on Hogan coming into the season. We talked about him really stepping up. Edelman's absence, like you talked about. I think he was my offensive X factor a couple times in our pregame breakdowns. But there's been nothing going on on the field that has him in any way being the remotely the receiver he was. And it's interesting. You just look at this offense. You look at you think a, a, a offensive formation that has James White and Sony Michelle in the backfield with, like, Josh Gordon – Chris Hogan and Rob Gronkowski, 
how you cannot score points in the red zone. Right. Like they, they're struggling in the red zone, even with that offensive formation, and it's mind-boggling. And maybe the fact that Hogan is not really a threat to the point where apparently the Titans just decided not to cover him a couple of plays. They're like, they, they have that little respect for what he brings to the table offensively. Great point about him being a good blocking receiver because he is a good blocking receiver and a special teams asset. He's good on special teams as well, but he is not the guy that I thought he was going to be. I figured he'd be the occasional deep threat and the middle to, to – medium slash deep zone guy on the crossing routes and he's been nothing in that maybe this bye week will be good for him he'll get back on the offense i don't know but the good news is i feel like there are enough pieces in place without chris hogan josh gordon's getting better every week gronkowski will be back to health pretty soon michelle's going to get more reps james white's james white offensive line's coming back in pats are really well positioned to make a very strong run at the last part of the season i can definitely see him winning out for sure getting that two seed and all will once again be right with the world oh absolutely well we'll have all of this breakdown patspulpit.com we have a bye week right now i'm going to enjoy it for that final push in the winter alec do you have any final thoughts on week 10 of the nfl season yeah i need this bye week too even though i kind of had a mini bye week not watching the game that doesn't count this is a real bye week i'm excited for (laughs) absolutely until next time alec you have a good one see you dude later I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.